right. Welcome back to the Hall Pass podcast. This is our season one, episode seven. Today, we're going to be delving into the common application. What is the common application? So the common application, informally known as the Common App, which is what we'll be using because it's shorter, uh, is an undergraduate college admissions application that applicants use to apply to a lot of the private schools that are in the United States, as well as in Canada, China, and European countries. I bet you guys didn't know that. Um, according to the Common App, uh, its mission is to promote access, equity, and integrity in the admissions, uh, college admissions process, which includes subjective factors gleaned from essays and recommendations alongside more objective criteria such as class rank and standardized testing. So today we're actually going to delve into the common application. We're also going to give you some tips, um, you know, just really briefly why this is important for even ninth graders or 10th graders or 11th graders. A lot of students come and ask me, why do I need to do this or why is this important? And really it comes down to what you're going to be putting on the common application. So for those of you, if you know what goes into a common application and you're an uh, underclassman, a ninth grader, a 10th grader, I think it's better for you to kind of realize and organize in your mind why you're doing what you're doing. Um, you know, not necessarily for the purposes of the application, but knowing what goes into the application so you can organize them accordingly. All right. Welcome back. All of my boys again. Hey. How are we doing? Hello. So um, just FYI, Jay's going to be MIA for two weeks. He's uh, going on a business trip um, to China and Korea. And so we're actually going to have my husband, uh, Jason, who he'll be sitting in on uh, the podcast instead. We'll miss you, Jay. That's okay. I'll be back. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was a very awkward interaction there. Um, Kick you to the curb. So let's go ahead and get started and jump right in. Um, there are a lot of different components of the common application, uh, and I want to start with the general components of the common application. So uh, the common app starts with the personal information. So what are some things that go in there, Travis? Let me tell you one thing. This is going to be the most difficult part of your college application. They're going to ask you some complicated questions. They're going to ask you your name, your address, <laughs> where you live, what language or languages you speak. It's, uh, it's, it's literally just information you've probably filled out uh, a couple thousand times in your life. And, and you'll have a couple questions that you don't necessarily need to fill out. So it'll ask you for your nickname. All right, this is not the time for you to put vanilla pudding pie or whatever your mama calls you, you know, or whatever your friends call you. Um, it, it's just only if, if you have, uh, say you go by your middle name, <clears throat> you can use that. Uh, but this is the easiest part uh, of applying to college, just very basic information. A couple of the options will be optional, uh, say like religion. It's just there for demographic purposes to use. Um, but yeah, for the most part, just basic information, you know, everything, no need to, to prepare or, or freak out over that one. Yes. And so a lot of students actually ask me, um, you know, for the optional ones, do I have to do it? You know, do I have to say my demographics? Do I have to say my geography? Do I have to talk about my language um, and what, what my first language is or what my second language is? And um, honestly, if you don't feel comfortable for the optional portions, you're more than welcome to not fill that part out um, but can you lie on the application absolutely not um, I would say you know honesty is always the best policy you don't want to get caught up in a situation and say your demographics is something that you're not um, or your address is something that it isn't so you just want to make sure that you are honest with everything that you write but you are more than welcome to um, not opt to write certain things in terms of the optional sections so then after the personal information, like uh, Counselor Travis said, it's it's pretty 
it's things that you should be able to do. We hope it's straightforward. <laughs> we hope that it's straightforward. <laughs> um, then they ask you about family. So um, what are some you know things that they ask you there? So family, another doozy of a section on the common app. <laughs> but, um, you know, this is straightforward stuff. This is about your family background. Uh, this section primarily offers insight into the student's application and background since uh, interviews are typically not mandatory for undergraduate applic applicants. So for starters, colleges primarily use this information, as we mentioned before, for demographic purposes. You are starting to become a statistic from a human being. So they keep metrics and, and numbers um, you know, from colleges onward all throughout your life. So this is just another area where they're going to try to get as much information as they want. Since they're looking for you know, a diverse freshman class. They don't want everyone from the same background, same area. They're starting to look for a diverse freshman class. They want to know the percentage of their students whose parents attended college, as well as general background of their incoming class. Um, so yeah, like I said, it's, it's a very straightforward section. Uh, they keep uh, this, these data points and they publish these. They publish it in uh, magazines and journals. They also do research on this. They try to see uh, if certain areas from uh, low-income communities need some help uh, for federal funding. And they, they use this for, they slice and dice the data in all sorts of ways. But that's pretty much uh, the family part of the uh, application. I remember filling that out when I was a student. And that was the very first time I found out where my parents graduated from. Because <laughs> there's a section to ask, if your parents are graduated from college, where? And they graduated from Korean universities, so I had the hardest time finding their code and stuff. Mm -hmm. So you're going to run into these little technical detail challenges. It's not that hard. Just use your better judgment and just try to convey the most accurate information yeah. possible. Mm -hmm. And, and they, they'll ask you if your parents are married or if they're divorced, if they're separated, um, you know, if you have a parent who passed away, they'll ask all of those questions as well as part of the common application. Again, uh, you know, a lot of it is to diversify their class. It's a lot of it is also for uh, um, research uh, and, and kind of projecting different types of information. So um, again, be as honest as you possibly can. So then after your personal information and your family goes your education. Yep. So education, they're digging a little deeper uh, into your background. And again, this is to give a, a better picture of you as an applicant. Um, so, you know, these are the common, common questions they ask or, or, or elements they ask are what high school you went to or what high schools you went to, your counselor's name. Um, you know, if you moved from school to school or if you, you went to one primary school, uh, if you if used services to help you fill out this application, if you did or did not take any college courses or not, any academic honors or AP classes that you took, and basically your current, you know, recent courses in high school during your senior year. Um, and again, this is for demographic research. They also want to know if you've availed yourself to the opportunities that were open to you or the opportunities that you did not have. It just starts to form a more holistic uh, picture of your application. And most colleges in America use the holistic approach. It's not like a certain GPA or a standardized test score will get you in, but they want to see where you came from, uh, what sort of struggles, what sort of uh, challenges um, or not that, that you came back it, uh, with. And so... Um, that's the education part. And again, this, this is another place where um, you may list your parents' college information or some educational background, um, but uh, yeah. 
That's the education <laughs> section. Uh, yeah, so so the education section, part of the things that they ask you in the education section is the academic honors and awards. Um, so there's five spaces for you to write academic awards. It says um, if you've received any honors related to your academic achievements beginning with the ninth grade uh, or international equivalent, you know, tell us what that is. So, you know, today I don't want to delve too much into strategy, uh, but in terms of academic honors, you know, the more international, the more national level and the higher level of awards the better so some um, academic honors that go into this is you know um, national honor society national spanish exam uh, science olympiad speech and debate uh, what else do you guys hear of american national merit competition american math competition uh, the national merit scholarship the national merit scholarship when you take the psat your junior year the ap scholar awards depending upon how many ap's you take and what score you receive there's a lot of academic honors honors to consider Here's can i put in piano Ooh. That's a big no-no in my book. If you had to, <laughs> if you had no other academic distinctions, it's it's also kind of awkward to have a blank five lines of academic honors. But generally speaking, we also want to make sure you understand how to read the instructions. Yeah. The instructions <laughs> indicate academic distinctions. Yeah, admissions will not be happy if, if we, well, not, not that we wouldn't be happy, but if you started to put piano in there or, you know, a community service organization or something like that, it, it's non-academic and therefore it doesn't belong in that part of the application. What about scholar-athlete? So scholar athlete is part of your GPA, so that's a really good question. It does go into the academic award. So what do you scholar think scholar means, punky? Yeah, so scholar athlete means that you have the GPA and you're also a really good athlete. So yes, that does go into the academic award section. I'm curious on this one. So I get asked this question a lot. You know how some teachers give out kind of their cute little awards at the end of the year? Would you include those? Yeah, I think if you if you don't have any other awards that are, I guess, more meaningful, then you can go ahead and throw those onto your list too. Jenny was mentioning this earlier. There's a certain evaluation mark for each one. So when you fill out the title of the award to the right of it, it's going to ask you to check mark whether the school recognized you for it, whether it was a state level or regional recognition, or a national recognition, or an international recognition. Obviously, the further to the right you go towards international, the more valuable that award is. When you have a school award like a Spanish Most Improved or something right. like that, I'm not trying to diminish Most Improved, but um, that tends to be a less impactful award than, say, a national award. Mm -hmm. um, and they'll also ask you the grade levels of which you receive them. So, you know, did you re receive this in ninth grade or 10th grade or 11th grade and 12th grade? And, you know, you could check mark all four if you received it all four times. Um, so for like the, uh, the national uh, Latin exam or things like that, you can actually take it every single year and you got an award every time. Same thing with the American math competition or science Olympiad. You know, if you've consistently gotten awards in, in some of these academic activities um, and you've done it for a longer period of time, it, it definitely looks positive. Uh, okay, so let's get into something a little bit deeper. Let's talk about activities. So on the common application, they do ask for activities right after they ask about your testing. So um, we didn't hit this part, but testing, they'll ask you about your SAT, subject tests, APs, ACT, TOEFL, PTE, academic, IELTS. Um, all of these are basically <laughs> academic exams. All, uh, all different types of letters. <laughs> um, and even for the ones that you put plan on taking like for example you're taking the AP exams in May of your senior year you don't have the scores yet they will ask you to still put what you plan on taking they will also ask you if you plan on taking the SAT or ACT or SAT twos in the future even if you 
haven't had the scores yet, you can still put the actual dates of when you'll be taking them. And then it's your job to update the admissions once you've gotten the results. I'm always curious about the, the wordage that they put in that. Do you have to list out every test that you've taken? So the rule that I always give students uh, when it comes to testing is um, think of the common application as a cover of a book. So you want the best and the most beautiful things to be on that cover of a book. And so when uh, admissions officers delve into your application, um, they'll be able to find the details of everything else. And we'll go into like score choice and not score choice later. But, you know, on the common application, you have the option of putting self-reporting your scores, the ones that you want to show admissions. And then if it is score choice for example you can just send the scores you want to send if it's not score choice you can send you have to send everything but what's on the common application should be the most beautiful elements of who you are as a student the things that you want to show off um, okay so let's get into activities a little bit uh, you know what what are the activities asked for and maybe some tips on that I think that this section is the most important when it comes to strategizing it, as well as when it comes to just overall how you fill it out. So they start off with 10 lines. Um, that doesn't mean you have to fill out all 10 and therefore have 10 activities in, throughout high school, but they offer you 10 lines. Uh, they'll indicate about an 80 or so character limit, which allows you to explain your said activity. 80 characters is not a lot, ladies and gentlemen. And by the way, if they ask for a character count limit when you're filling out anything for college apps, assume that it includes spaces. So most common thing I see is when a student fills out, I was a president. Just the I was a, if you include the spaces, is seven characters. That's about 10% of the whole entire description fill out box. So do you see where the strategy lies? Like you have to be very careful of how you describe your activities. Um, generally speaking, they'll ask to see how many hours per week you, would you did the said activity. They'll ask for uh, weeks per year. Um, they'll ask throughout the school year whether you've done it or during the summer. Uh, they'll ask for the grades in which you were involved in the activity, so 9th, 10th, 11th, 12th, checkmark boxes. Uh, and they'll also ask for titles, positions, and any honors and certificates awarded through that activity. It's very, very sparse. They are asking for so much information but barely giving you anything to write it on. And so this is where I have the most amount of attention when I'm working with my students. Uh, the reverse chronological order, you always wanna start off with the most important and impressive activities and then work your way downwards, for example. Uh, there's many things to look at here. The the arrangement of your activities. You just don't want to put all your top speech and debates at the top because that just shows me you do speech and debate. You want to diversify your list. So again, I know we, we can't go into too much depth in terms of strategy for today, but just be advised, this is something I always advise my students to get professional advice on. Even if it's just like a quick glance, it doesn't hurt, it helps a lot. Yeah, the order of when, where, what you put what, what you say to describe your activities. I had a student who was a president of three clubs and their description of what they did for those three clubs were exactly the same. I emailed and coordinated meetings. I emailed and coordinating meetings. I emailed and, and when you did that, wow, you, you, you know, it, it doesn't show the impact that you had as president. And so the verbiage, what you write uh, for describing your activities is so important. There are so many instances over the past eight years I've been doing this that they'd come in and they get rejected. So they come on in after the results and say, hey, can you look at the common application and see what the issues were? And I could see it right away on that, the, the activities, just kind of like what um, Jenny's student did where the descriptions are very lackluster, didn't really show diversity. Um, 
think about it, ladies and gentlemen, students, you have four years of your life and it gets distilled. All the, the improvements, the, the struggles and the effort gets distilled into one page. And so there's also a salesmanship aspect to this. You have to show that you're, you have to be able to not only do things well, but convey in paper form what you do. Here's a question I get asked all the time with activities. So say you're a senior and you, you had three or four clubs your freshman year, you were just trying things out, and two of them you dropped after three months, you showed up a couple times, do I still include that on my activity section? Uh, it's, I like to approach this more as the survival of the fittest. Only the f so I'm assuming that if you really counted all the different strands and digressions and activities you've done from ninth grade to 12th grade, you're likely to have more than 10, right? And so it really comes down to which do you want to accentuate, prioritize, and which one fits to your strategy of showing the way you want to be shown as the ultimate candidate. So there are some, some times where I'd call those filler positions or filler clubs. Um, I have a separate strategy. I know we can have a different time to go more in depth about this, but generally speaking, I rank mine from one to 10. So when I meet with a student in 11th grade, I say, oh, that's your number one activity because as a communications major, your speech and debate captain position is gonna accentuate that really well. Whereas your tutoring club, a lot of students do tutoring club. To me, in your case, that's about a six, seven, or eight out of 10. And so every student is different. That's the first point I wanna make. Uh, other than that, you have to really think holistically in terms of how you want to list them out. Yeah, and also I think, um, so, so ten, 10 lines, 10 opportunities, uh, you have to see if, and this is in-school activities, out-of-school activities, summer activities, so you can, you can add a lot of things, and as Jay said, there's probably a good chance you've met 10 or even more. And then I think the ranking approach definitely helps, and if one of it's a club, freshman year or, or two, two clubs freshman year it adds color it adds curiosity it adds that you know you got involved um but then you also made wise choices and maybe your priorities and your time management was getting more refined as you went through sophomore year junior year senior year and stuff like that so it's got to kind of have that picture so again we can probably talk about this for hours and hours and hours but for the purposes of just kind of introductory uh language in terms of the common application and understanding what goes on it we're going to have to move on um so after the activities the common application this so what we just talked about up to we're going to talk about the essay next is going to go to every single school on the common application so you know all of this information your personal information to your activities to the essay there's one essay and counsel, uh, counselor Richard will talk about that will all go to every single college on the common app um, so let's talk about the essay a little bit yeah, so the Common App Personal Essay is the big one. This is the only essay that will be sent to every college that you end up applying to through the Common Application. The essay prompts have already come out for this year, so if you want to just kind of Google those, I think we'll talk about them in another um, episode. But there are seven prompts this year that students will have the opportunity to choose from. They only have to pick one, and they will be writing a 250 to 650 word um, essay on that prompt that they choose. Um, you don't have to take advantage of the, or you don't have to necessarily write 650 words, even though they provide that for you. Although we like to look at it a lot like real estate, meaning if they give you the opportunity to write 650 words, you should probably take advantage of that space. Although we've read really good essays that have been shorter on the shorter end of that 250 words. 
Um, this can be a really time-consuming process, so we always say to start very early and to brainstorm with others if possible. Go through multiple drafts and always proofread before submitting. So if you can find someone who can help you with the um, with the essay process to kind of read it over with a fresh set of eyes, that's probably a good idea too. Um, and you also want to make sure that you're reading the questions carefully before starting. And again, we'll talk about the essay, the uh, specific essay prompts in another episode. But I will bring up here that this year they added one prompt that is essentially just pick your own topic and just write whatever essay you feel like is necessary. So this is kind of an opportunity for you to potentially recycle an essay here instead of just writing a completely new one, which could save you a lot of time. Excellent. So yeah, the common application is, uh, the common application essay, like I mentioned, is going to go, this essay is your personal statement. It's the first kind of thing that admissions is going to read about you. Uh, so be very aware of that and get as much support as you possibly can. Um, unfortunately, at a lot of high schools, they don't teach you how to write college essays. They teach you how to write AP essays or, um, you know, uh, uh, literary essays, but, or analytical essays. But, you know, writing a personal statement is unlike any anything that you've probably ever written before. So uh, try to get as much support as you possibly can. Yeah, you don't can. have to follow that, that, what is it, the Jane Austen, yeah, this concrete detail, sentence, commentary, concrete commentary, detail. right? You no, don't have to go through that. that. <laughs> um, it's, it's, it's weird for a lot of students because you learn in, in English classes, like, oh, the, the five paragraph structure and, you know, all these different things have the introduction, you know, the concrete details have all these different things. But when you're actually writing the, the personal essay, you'll find a lot of different types of essays in terms of how these students have written them. And so it, you kind of want to have some fun with it. You want to be a little bit unique when you are submitting these essays, because keep in mind, the college admissions officers will be reading through thousands of these essays. And you need to make sure that you are, um, you know, separating yourself from the other people that will be applying to these colleges, too. Awesome. So we're um, after the common application, right? The common application is the big application that goes into to all of the colleges. Um, each college, you then get to choose like which colleges you're going to apply to. And each college um, has their own set of questions and their own set of essays that they ask you. And we're going to go into that. We call those supplements, um, supplemental questions or the college's supplement, um, which adds on to the common application. So uh, some of the things that colleges ask for the first and foremost is the major that you're applying to uh, and the program, maybe some programs that you're applying to. So let's delve into that a little bit. Yeah, so when you start adding colleges to your common application and you click on the common application, the let's say you added USC or let's say you added Harvard. The moment you click on that, one of the first things that they'll ask you for is the major you want to apply with. Most schools typically have a first choice major and second choice major and sometimes they'll have a third. Harvard is an exception to this where they don't really ask for a specific major. They just generalize certain categories like social sciences or uh, computer sciences. Uh, but for the most part, the major is a drop-down box option. And most of the times, it's the most important decision that you can make when you're strategizing and applying for a college. Um, it definitely has an impact in terms of your admission chances. It definitely will have an effect on what essays you even have to write. I think for Columbia this year, that if you chose the letters in arts sciences, let's say you entered as a biology, that essay was different from applying to the FU engineering. Right. Uh, engineers a lot of the engineering essays. schools will ask for more essays to, um, for students to write. Right, so even the major you choose at that point can affect what everything else in, on the supplemental application could be about. 
Um, there's also programs that you should be aware of. Um, the most like notable in the top tier would be UPenn, Wharton. They have a couple of dual degree programs, joint degree programs. Uh, others have these unique programs where it's a two-year almost liberal arts curriculum, then you matriculate out. So that would be NYU's CLA or Emory's Oxford College program. Um, you might want to delve deeper into these and learn more about these special niche programs when you apply because they're going to ask you whether you're interested in them or not. Uh, but yeah. Awesome. So we'll talk strategy, uh, you know, in, in future podcasts and how majors or programs could affect you. Also, when I say programs, you know, accelerated dental programs uh, yeah. or accelerated um, pharmacy. pharmacy or me uh, medical school BSMD. programs, BSMD programs, um, sometimes uh, accelerate. Yeah. Yeah. BSMD programs. So all of those could actually be programs which also have separate supplements and separate essays, more Yay. things to fill out um, that you can do. Mm -hmm. um, and then the other thing that they ask you is like activities for college. So they'll ask you what activities would you want to participate in and participate in in college? Uh, and for that, you know, number one, I would say be honest, but you might want to reflect back on your own activities that you're doing currently and say, is this something that I would want to continue? For example, if you've been doing mock trial for four years, it would probably show, you know, in your best interest to say, hey, you know, I, I think this is something that I want to continue doing. Or if you were in journalism or yearbook or your school's newspaper, uh, you can also say this is something that I want to continue when I go to college. You know, a lot of times colleges are looking for what can you bring to our university or our college? And so uh, that's kind of an important element there. Uh, and then colleges have writing supplements. So um, what are some things that go in there? Yep. So writing supplements, um, they, these are typical, so these are college specific short answers. Um, typically they can range from 250 words to 500. They're, they're on the shorter end, not like the common at main uh, personal statement, but they're college specific. And this is a chance for you to answer their, um, you know, what program, why our college? That's the one we see a lot of. Sometimes a lot of the college's personalities come out in these supplemental uh, prompts. You'll, you'll see the quirky colleges and uh, some of the questions they're asking. Like U Chicago. Yeah, yeah, U Chicago. And you know, I remember Stanford has write a letter to your roommate. Mm -hmm. and they're, they're unique kind of ways, and, and, and they, they're trying to see how you are as a person and how your mind works and how you'd be on campus so um, there are also some short takes like uh, what books have you read what's the last movie you saw uh, what's your favorite author uh, where, where did you spend the last couple summers things like that so these are all short answers short takes also some prompts uh, that can be anywhere from 250 to 500 word uh, essays but it's a chance where you can round out your application so go I go back to what Jay said earlier there's an element of salesmanship here and there's you have your numbers your academic course history, your essays are your chance to add some color about you. And, and you know, take some risks. If, if, if the rest of your application is good and you don't want to be like um, the, the average applicant, as, as Richard mentioned, you want to be unique. You want you want that element, those elements of your personality to come out. And so you can take some risks with these, but not too hard of a risk because you got to find that happy medium to give yourself that edge or that, that advantage with the supplements. Yeah, and, the, and the great majority of schools will ask for supplemental essays. Usually they come out around August. And so you probably want to get started on these as soon as possible because depending on the school you apply to, like Brown is going to ask for five more 150 word essays mm -hmm. and, and Stanford's going to ask for seven to eight more responses. UPenn will ask for a 650 word essay in addition to the common application 650 word essay. So every school is going to have more of these essays. It's going to be to your benefit to start very very early I and think it, the oh, ahead, I, was, yeah, I think the biggest thing with the supplement is to <clears throat> make sure you do your homework 
on the school because this is your chance mm -hmm. to prove that you really do want to go to that school yeah. because they'll yeah. know when they ask you know why do you want to go to this college if you just copy and paste the same right. message <laughs> to 30 yeah. different schools right so the more specific you get to that school and their specific uh, communities and activities you can get involved in and and why you want to do that major there you know what professor you know are you excited to learn under that type of stuff that really stands out and, and that'll make that your essay stand out from the thousands of other why do you want to major in journalism mm -hmm. or engineering or whatever Absolutely. it may be definitely want to be as specific Absolutely. as possible yeah. so I, have, I have a question um, for Richard you know for your for your students when do you suggest or advise they get started on the supplemental essays so we actually um, want we will probably be working on the UC essays because most of the, we're a California-based company, and so the great majority of our students want to apply to the UCs, and those essays have already come out, mm -hmm. right? Um, and so this, this is something that we'll be working on all summer. Um, we probably start working on the supplemental essays with the students sometime in the beginning of September, if not maybe the end of August. Yeah, so I would say for most of our students, our goal is to get their UCs and common application essays done, so their main essays, and then once that's done, we start working on their supplemental essays. Um, and like we've mentioned, the supplemental essays will really give personal insight, something that's unique and different about you. You know, make admissions think, why should we choose you compared to these tens of thousands of other applicants that we're reading? So the more you know, unique and creative and, and kind of genuine and honest that you can be uh, the better the more that we can learn about you the better yeah just one last point so I, uh, sometimes I've heard that supplement essays and prompts are uh, more important for the colleges in their evaluation mm -hmm. than the common app personal statement mm -hmm. some people flip that some applicants flip it and spend a lot of time brainstorming and talking about their personal statement but you might want to spend more time on the supplements because again specificity color to your personality um, and just understanding the personality of the college and, mm -hmm. and having that resonate with them uh, will go a long way in your application process. Yeah. And we'll talk about strategy a little bit more. We're actually going to do an entire podcast just on essays. Um, good topics, Everyone's bad topics. Excited. Yeah. Good topics, <laughs> bad topics. Favorite. We're, we're going to talk about stories that are like, don't ever write about this. Or, you know, this is a great thing to talk about. So we're really going to get into that. Um, and so, so I would definitely say to tune in and we'll talk about essays more specifically. So let's just go around really quickly. Oh, actually there's one more component. So the college supplements will ask for recommendation letters and um, there is a process of doing this. Now it's, the process is a little bit different for every high school, but the process is generally that you invite the teachers that you want to have write your recommendation letter, which they'll receive um, in their email. And then they go on with writing that recommendation letter. So we talked about teacher recommendations already um, but that that is how it kind of fits into the common application in terms of the supplements. So let's just go around really quickly and say any types of common app tips that you have for students, um, tips that you want students to kind of think about and and anything that you would want them to do. We'll start with Jay. Yeah, um, whether you're an eighth grader, ninth grader or 11th grader about to apply um, or rising to apply soon, uh, I think it helps to just go onto the common app make an account it doesn't have to be the account that you're going to use because you they're going to refresh each year but make an account so you then can get access and start kind of perusing through each of the the, the links and, and the pages um, oftentimes i recommend to my ninth grade and tenth grade parents to just print out the application and then that becomes your template that becomes kind of what you need to know to fill out um, and plan out the your high school career so my suggestion my suggestion print it out and start filling like kind of predict what you think you do 
what you'll fill out. Um, plan it in advance. And for Absolutely. seniors, you can definitely just start filling in the easy, the easy stuff. So like the family information, the the personal information, just yeah. get all that out of the way yeah. so that you can spend more time revising later on. Yep. My Mike, I gotta go. Yeah. So oh. I'll see you guys later. <laughs> Bye. 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 Mic drop. <laughs> and see ya. Have a good one, Richard. Thank you. My tip would be um, on the on the activity section. I, I like to look for consistency. The way you label things, mm-hmm. and Jay, you touched on this, and we didn't talk about we don't talk about the depth and strategy of it, but you know the way you put things in order. You know your 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 role title and and a dis- short description. Here's your that that goes a long way. If you if you have things jumbled up between one, two, three, and seven, eight, nine, and things are all over the place, it makes an impression. It, it it looks like you're not organized. You haven't given it the consistency that it needs. It's just like a resume. You want things to flow, be in order, uh, look tight and polished. Um, typos are bad, so investing time in there is my tip. Mm-hmm. Very good. And uh, I would say just uh, I have I'm so biased on this because I think that the personal statement is just by far the most important thing you'll you'll ever write probably until you get into college. So the earlier you can start on that thing, the better. And I know that we'll go over uh, the personal statement strategies and I had to keep like restraining myself to talk about essays (laughs) and stuff because I could talk about it for hours. But the biggest thing I could think of is just brainstorming your personal statement as early as you can. Typical writer. (laughs) (laughs) I admit that I'm biased. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Okay, so a couple things. As a younger student, I would say the first thing you might want to start doing is researching colleges. Uh, I don't think that students do this enough as a younger student. Like, go on the college website and read, you know, maybe different events. Or if a college is coming to your high school or you have a, uh, a workshop or something that you can attend, start researching these and start getting close to the colleges that you might want to attend. You know, I I like to use this analogy a lot. A GPS can't take you anywhere if you don't have a destination. So oh, if you. That's <laughs> nice. How long have you been holding on to that one? You've been sitting on that for a while. So, so if you give yourself a destination, if you give yourself um, a place like this is what I want to reach for, this is what I want to try to do, and you find that early, um, then you, you know, you can start organizing and planning a way for you to get to that. So uh, definitely start researching colleges. And then the other thing I want to mention uh, for a lot of my high school students is reflecting. Uh, you know, every time you do an extracurricular activity, every time you go and help a homeless person or do any of those things, reflect on that. Reflect on that experience maybe keep a journal uh, and say you know this is what I did today and these are the things that I learned this is how I grew I had a student last year who brought their journal with them to a brainstorming meeting with me and it was the most amazing experience because they had all of these reflections and growth and opportunities of uh, kind of writing that into their common app personal statement or their supplement so having those ideas and brainstorming that like Travis said and and all the counselors said ahead of time uh, keeping a reflective journal journal, reflection journal is a really great way to get started on that. Um, Okay, so I hope this was a little bit helpful in terms of understanding the common application. Uh, We did receive two questions from our listeners. Again, thank you so much for sending us questions. Uh, One of the questions that the listeners asked was, what do I bring to an interview? I realized that that wasn't something that we covered last time. So that was a great question. Um, Some things to bring to an interview. What do you think, boys? 
I'd say um, having a crisp resume, a padfolio, just to show a little bit of professionalism would be nice. A book to read, just in case maybe the time gets a little skewed and you're waiting there for, th you don't want to be kind of twiddling your thumbs waiting at the coffee shop. You want to show some scholasticness, I suppose. <laughs> I was so, going to say, bring your shining personality. Oh. That's so great, Travis. <laughs> oh, that, and um, your smile. How do I beat that? And your <laughs> smile. That's so yeah, true. Yeah, a resume, a crisp one, two extra copy resumes and a book to read. And, uh, and, and Jay mentioned a padfolio. If you don't know what that is, you can actually look it up on Google. Um, a padfolio is like a small little folder, I guess, so to speak, a professional folder um, that you can put in your resume or you have a notepad and, and a pen and things like that. And that just makes you look a lot more professional. I, I bought mine when I was in high school and I still use it today. So um, it, it's definitely a good investment. That's why you look so smart. Thank you, <laughs> Punkage. It's because of the padfolio every day. Um, yes. And so that's really great. And then also it's very possible that you're interviewer doesn't ask for a resume but you know like Jay said it's probably great to bring one and say hey I have my resume is it something that you would like if they say no don't feel bad about it it's completely fine they probably just don't want the extra paperwork um, but it's always good to give them something so as at, well. at, at no point will it ever be a bad thing to be over prepared absolutely so I was gonna say too you could bring any materials that might be relevant to your job so say for journalism I would always bring writing samples mm -hmm. so if you were in a job with writing for example writing samples wouldn't be a bad thing to bring or mm -hmm. I, I don't really know what other disciplines would yeah, have like something like that yeah yeah engineering architecture design mm -hmm. yeah like i think that, all that, that would be, be good. yeah so it's, it's okay to be over prepared on those and bring your shining personality Always a and shining also personality. bring like a crisp what you're wearing should be ironed um you know all of those things are very important you don't want to go to an interview and have wrinkly clothing mm -hmm. uh you know because appearance does say a lot about about you you don't want your portfolio binder to be falling out with awards and all this <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All that stuff. yeah definitely definitely um and then another question that i got was i got waitlisted to a college thank you excuse you. me <laughs> okay so um as you guys know all of college acceptances um have come out their results have come out uh and so a parent asked that they got waitlisted to a college um or their student got waitlisted to call it college and what they should do pray <laughs> well, um, if you're religious, remember, maybe pray. Waitlist isn't necessarily bad news. Uh, it means that you still got a shot. Um, they typically, when you get the waitlist notification, it typically comes with a guideline, a protocol, or a procedure to follow. And so that's the first thing I'd look for. Uh, sometimes there's like a waitlist FAQ link or a page that you can even Google and go up into. Uh, there's usually an appeal process. And the appeal process usually consists of sending maybe uh, a written letter of your continued interest in the school and why you think you'd be a valued member, any critical updates since applying that you'd like to mention that they can reevaluate or consider for your waitlist candidacy, and also potentially some additional supplemental uh, materials like uh, additional letters of recommendation. Again, some schools don't like when you send them too much. So the, the rule of thumb is read the procedures, the policies for each of the schools you get waitlisted to. I would say that the first thing to do when you get waitlisted is is to breathe, you know, because a lot of students freak out. Like we have a lot of students applying to like Harvard and Stanford. They get waitlisted and they're just heartbroken. And I'm like, hold on. You got waitlisted to Stanford. You just beat out about 99 percent of the country. Congratulations. First off, you know, and, and the waitlist is not the end. That means that they're still considering you to be accepted. 
Uh, so mm-hmm. the first thing to do is breathe and then go to the FAQs, like Jay mentioned, see what the appeal process is and go forth with it. But just relax. Mm-hmm. You're going to be all right. <laughs> yeah. So the wait list, um, the first thing that they say when they send you a wait list uh, uh, result is, would you like to be on the wait list? Would you like to stay on the wait list? And not everyone, I, everyone says that they want to stay on the wait list. So just make sure you don't lose anything from saying, yes, I would like to stay on the wait list. So make sure that you've submitted that. Uh, I want to... I want to debunk a few myths. Um, a lot of students and parents think that there is a uh, a list, a list of students who are numerically ranked when it comes to waitlist. That is not true. There's no numerically ranked list on a waitlist. Um, actually, what happens in uh, in uh, admissions at Harvard, uh, let's just use Harvard as an example, is that they have a wait list um, and they say, okay, these are some of the students. If if students uh, have a wait list available, this is what I would, the, these are the students that I would choose. But it really is comes down to deliberation um, and it's a very subjective process. So uh, first you, you wanna make sure you have a backup plan, but also make sure that you show colleges that you have continual interest. You wanna email your regional uh, admissions uh, officer, your regional counselor, someone to let them know like, hey, I'm very much still interested. If I were to get accepted, I would definitely come here. You wanna show that um, continual interest. And that's really what it comes down to. I also wanna say a lot of students are like, waitlist, I heard they don't take anyone from waitlist. Well, waitlist percentages are fairly low. Um, you know, there's not, I would say UC Berkeley is probably the highest and it's like 55% off the waitlist. Um, but every other school, they're probably right around 7 to 10%. There are some schools that are like 1% off the waitlist. So yeah, it's not a high percentage, but like Counselor Travis said, it's not the end of the world. There's still some sort of, you know, um, there's things that you can do and, and, and you definitely should consider that. Yeah, and also what, just to piggyback what you said, Jenny, it, it wouldn't hurt to... Uh, talk to your teachers and your counselors to re- reaffirm your intention of wanting to go there because they may know somebody who mm-hmm. may know somebody absolutely who has come from that school and they might just like drop a phone call and it might go a long way. Absolutely, absolutely. And the, the potential of a wait list too is also an, an effective antidote to senioritis. So this is where your second semester senior year, right, where a lot of students are like, oh, I'm good. I've applied to college. This is where it comes in handy because if you get that 4.0 your second semester senior year or waited, you know, 4.7, whatever it may be, and you continue to show growth and development in your extracurriculars and you continue to do all this stuff, that's the stuff that's going to get you off the wait list that shows mm-hmm. that you're still hungry yeah. and you're still striving. Yep. And they also want to see fit. So um, most colleges will give you waitlist information by May. So I know that um, your second semester might not be done by that point. But uh, there are schools like Duke um, and Rice that will wait until July um, to give you, even up until July, to give you that. And that's when your second semester can be really important. Uh, so anyway, for the the person that got waitlisted, you know, I, I'm not going to say, aw. I'm going to say congratulations. Being on a waitlist <laughs> is probably not a bad thing. Uh, there are still things that you can do um so anyway thank you so much for listening to season one episode seven if you missed any of our episodes you can find it on itunes or www.thehallpasspodcast.com we would love for you to send us an email of general topics and questions you might want us to cover in our podcast at the hall pass podcast at gmail.com <laughs> next oh, time on- <laughs> Smooth. <laughs> next time on hall pass we're going to delve into the uc application all right i'll see you all later Ciao. Later, guys. Yeah.